This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. We're going to get into this today. I apologize for Wednesday. It was crazy. It was nuts. Everything that was happening, I had to call the game on Wednesday, getting prepared for the whole Tom Wilson stuff from Monday. So I didn't have time to do it on Wednesday. Wanted to do it yesterday, but then all of the firings, and it's just it was a crazy, crazy day, so I apologize, and I wanted to get something out there. We'll do the top five a little bit later on in the podcast, but right now the focus is going to be the Rangers and what happened with Tom Wilson, the six fights in the first four minutes and 14 seconds on Wednesday and all that, and then, of course, the firings of John Davidson and the firing of Jeff Gordon, and we'll get into everything else happening in the NHL as well. It's going to be a big, big podcast today all right let's start off with the firings Uh, all right listen everybody is going to freak out when you see the direction the team is going in you see a change and you think are are we going to have to start all over ranger fans have been very patient right they got the letter three februarys ago they were prepared it was going to be a rebuild i think everybody was on board and the team has been progressing. Some people unhappy with David Quinn, but as far as the organization was concerned, they seem to be happy with the direction. So now when John Davidson and Jeff Gordon are are extracted out of the situation, there's panic like, oh my God, we're going to blow it up again, and it's going to be another three, four years out of the playoffs and just starting from scratch. That's not happening. Okay? This was not a firing because of where they are in the standings. Because if they're in the Central, they're two points out of a playoff spot. If they're in the North or the West, they're in the playoffs. And there's a lot of things that happened to this team this year that put them in the situation that they're in. Injuries, COVID, hit pieces. I mean, this team has been through a lot this year. Youngest team in the National Hockey League, and it was just too much for them. And it's coming to a head here at the end of the season when almost nobody is playing now and losing five in a row. It wasn't that. It was the lack of toughness that aggravated Jim Dolan, and it led to a change. And Chris Drury has been a part of this rebuild. I mean, he's been with this team for five years. He's worked with in the minor leagues. He's worked as the assistant general manager. And Glenn Sather's been there through the whole thing, supervising it. So they, a couple of pieces have been removed, but I think the general plan and direction is the same. Okay, So don't look for Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider to be traded and changing the goaltenders and all that. I think there will be tweaks to the rebuild, but I think in general the train is still on its way to the station so from that standpoint I think you should be okay Chris Drury I know the guy I knew him as a player when I covered the Rangers at the end of his career I certainly knew him now as an executive the guy's been working his tail off he's wanted this job from the second he decided to retire he's ready for it if he wanted the job in Pittsburgh when Jim Rutherford stepped aside he would have gotten that okay And they instead gave it to Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, and they've done a great job there in Pittsburgh. So he's a hot commodity. I'm not sure he would have been able to survive the summer because I think somebody would have gobbled him up. So they've got the right guy at the helm, and Glenn Sather is there to supervise a guy that has never done this before at that level. So don't freak out that he's the general manager and the president. Oh, my God, how do you give a guy that's never done this two jobs? He's got Glenn Sather there to watch over him, so he will be fine there. I don't get why they did it all right because yeah they probably needed some toughness but it's all part of the process right um why why couldn't they have gotten that during the offseason why couldn't that have been acquired as they were getting closer and closer to winning the stanley cup if you're a ranger fan you remember 1994 right 
the year they won the Stanley Cup during the trading deadline is when they brought in Noonan and when they brought in McTavish, right? So they made moves as Stefan Matteau, who scored big goals, obviously, in the postseason. That was all acquired the deadline of the year they won the Cup. So I don't know why it all of a sudden came to a head here. Was it the embarrassment of losing to the Islanders and then seeing those same Islanders lose back-to-back games to Buffalo and now New Jersey last night? I don't know, but it happened. And I feel bad for Jeff and I feel bad for JD. Ranger fans love the guy. The guy since uh, since he left the, the broadcast booth to go to St. Louis and then Columbus, he's wanted this job with the Rangers. So I'm sure he's devastated. So... Certainly a lot of hearts were broken with the move, but from a Ranger stand, fan standpoint, they're still heading in that right direction. Now, obviously what happened with Tom Wilson was egregious, all right? He attacked Bushnevich. He pulls Panarin down by his hair. Somebody needs to explain to me again, and I say that because I've had many people explain it to me, why there was no suspension. And I think George Paros is in over his head. I think George Paros thinks he's playing 3D chess when all he has to do is just open his eyes and look at what happened. He's a repeat offender, five times suspended, so you can read intent. He pummels a player that's defenseless. He pulls down Panarin by his hair. And if one more person tells me, well, Wilson didn't know who jumped him, doesn't know what hell he's talking about. It's a power play for the Rangers. Did you really think Brendan Smith was going to be on the power play? Did you really think Kevin Rooney was going to be on the power play? There was only three possible people that could have jumped him, all right? Because he already pummeled Bushnevich. He saw Zabanajad was tangled up to his right. The guy does have peripheral vision, so it could have been Strom, Fox, or Panarin. He knew damn well it was Panarin. And even if he didn't know it the second that Panarin jumped on him, when he was grabbing him by his hair, I think he realized that this was Artemi Panarin, that it wasn't some tough guy. Strom knows how to fight, okay? But still, it's not the, the, the level of physicality that Tom Wilson is. So he knew that anybody was going to grab him, that he was going to be able to handle him. And certainly was in a situation where whoever it was going to be needed to be grabbed by his hair and pulled down to the ice, okay? So I don't know what the heck the NHL was thinking. And the NHL's come to a crossroads here, and I hope Gary Bettman's listening. Because I, I've been involved in this sport for a long time. And the feeling always was back in the day that the NHL will never be a big-time sport. They'll never be able to get a national television contract if they continue to allow the violence in the sport. If they continue to have fighting, it's going to hurt the sport. So the NHL, really over the last 15, 20 years, has systematically removed fighting from the sport. It's still there, you know, but they fine you for the staged fighting If you fight more than twice, you're thrown out of the game. If you watch, they break up fights a lot sooner than they used to. I mean, they've been sensitive to remove fighting. The byproduct of removing fighting is Tom Wilson now feels like he's got free reign because there's no accountability. Because now with the game being as wide open as it is, nobody can afford to have anybody on their roster that can't skate and can't play, right? So now you've got to make sure you've got players that can score, And that's why Tom Wilson's so valuable, right? He can fight, he can be a a punk and and a thug and go out there and score 20 goals and play on a top line. You know, Matt Martin can be a physical presence and yet still play a very important role on that fourth line with the New York Islanders with Sezekis and Clutterbuck that is a major reason why the Islanders are a team that's competing for the Stanley Cup and that Ryan Reeves can stay in the league on a team that's competing for a Stanley Cup. But they're very few and far between because you can't have 
you know, you, you can't have a, a a guy just sitting there not being able to skate who plays three minutes a game and just goes out there to pummel people and be a, a defender of the skilled players. The game has moved away from that. And the league is comfortable with that. But the one last line of demarcation is that when a player does go off the reservation like Wilson does, that he's disciplined by the league where there is some accountability. And when there's no accountability and he gets away with just a lousy $5,000 fine, well, then you end up having the event that took place on Wednesday with six fights in the first four minutes and 14 seconds on national television. All the things you're trying to get away away from in the sport. And now on national television, people have to watch a parade to the penalty box of, of, of fighting after fighting after fighting. So what do you want, league? Do you want fighting? Do you want to go back to the way it was with the Broad Street Bullies back in the late 70s? Or do you want to enhance the skills of the Connor McDavid's and the Austin Matthews and the like in the league? What do you want to do? Because you can't seem to have it both ways. So if you're not going to allow fighting, then George Peros or Stefan Quintal or whoever it is at that particular time that is the dean of discipline, going back to Brian Burke and Brendan Shanahan and all those guys, is that you held them accountable by suspending them. And I blame the union, too, because the union has to protect these guys. Union wants to protect Tom Wilson, and they'll appeal if he gets a big-time suspension. And they make sure the fines are not crazy where you can only fine a guy $5,000. But yet Kyrie Irving can get fined $35,000 for not talking to the media and the NBA. But the uh, the Players Association has to also realize they represent Bushnevich, they represent Panarin, they represent Brandon Carlo. Do you realize there's a report out there that when Brandon Carlo was hit by Tom Wilson earlier this year and Wilson was given a seven-game suspension for it, that George Paros didn't want to give him a suspension and that Gary Bettman had to step in and say, no, 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 we've got to suspend this guy. Now, I don't know if the report's true, but it's out there. And if it is true, then why didn't Gary Bettman step in this time? Because this is high-profile stuff. Or is it the league saying half a million people watch that game on NBC Sportsnet, it's a win-win? But that's the frustrating thing. And then Bushnevich cross-checks Mantha in the face and got a one-game suspension, and deservedly so. Because he cross-checked a guy in the face. But that doesn't happen if the league takes care of Wilson. Because the Rangers would have gotten their pound of flesh. Wilson wouldn't have been in the game, okay? And on top of all this stuff, you're trying to sell your sport, right? All we're talking about after Wednesday's 4-2 capital win are the line brawls and the stupidity of the National Hockey League, and yet the best story was T.J. Oshie going out there and getting a hat trick just a couple of days after he's with his dad who passed away from Alzheimer's at 56 years old at his deathbed. What a great story that is. He comes back and in honor of his father with all of the players having a sticker on their helmet that said coach because that was um, T.J. Oshie's father's nickname and he goes out there and he gets a hat trick and nobody cares because they're all talking about our line brawl. So I hope the league is happy. I hope the league is happy. I guess they were too busy counting all the money they got from TNT and ESPN with the latest television contract to care about what's happening now. So a bad job by the league. All right, now to the actual sport itself. The Islanders are in a little bit of trouble here. Okay, They lose in regulation to the Devils last night 2-1. to one. This team flat out cannot score unless they're playing the Rangers. And now the Islanders pretty much are locked into the four seed in the East. Now you could say, well, who cares? What does it matter? Well, it matters because now, in all likelihood... 
because they can only get to 72 points if they win their last two games. So all Boston has to do is get one win in their final three, and they'll lock in not being the four seed. Already the Islanders can't catch the Capitals or the Penguins, so that ship has sailed as far as even having home ice advantage at all. And if they get out of the division based on the number of points they have, they may not have it at all throughout the entire playoffs. And the reason that's a big deal is is because – they're the one team that I think can really take advantage of it. The Islanders already sent a letter to Cuomo trying to get 50% capacity for the playoff games. You know, it's the last season at the Coliseum, and you know that barn's going to be rocking even at 50% capacity. And now they might have to play a big Game 7 on the road, and now they're going to have to open up on the road because of the way they played here down the stretch. And if you're not concerned about their goal scoring, you should be. Because as defensive-minded as they are, and the goaltending has been very good, you got to score goals. Got to score goals. And you're home against the Devils with a chance to still possibly get home ice advantage, and you lose. Now, they threw 33 shots at Blackwood, but, you know, come on. Got to find some finish. So I'd be concerned about the Islanders. I'd be concerned about the Canadians. Canadians are going to the playoffs. They only need one point to clinch. But over the last two games, they've been beaten 10-3. to All right, you lose to Toronto. Everybody loses to Toronto, but they lost to Ottawa, too. Carolina continues to warm up 13 consecutive games now with a point. They did earn a point last night. They blew a lead, however, gave up a late goal. Stillman scores with uh, 3-0-1 left to tie it, and then Debrinket gets the game-winning goal to win it for the Blackhawks. Penguins double up the Sabres 8-4. I didn't think much of the Jeff Carter deal when it was made. He's 36 years old. It's been a while since he's had an impact on the postseason. What does he go out? He goes out and scores four goals for the Penguins, who made a lot of people look bad, including myself. I wasn't even sure they were a playoff team. Matter of fact, I predicted them to be out. This team could actually win the Cup. I'm not in love with the goaltending, but still, they're playing some tremendous hockey, and I think that Mike Sullivan deserves a major, major credit. A lot of people, a lot of outlets said he'd be the first coach to be fired this year. Guess what? He's going to win Coach of the Year. He's got an excellent chance to do it. Canucks snapped their six-game losing streak. They beat the Oilers. But really, when you watch the Oilers, it's all about Connor McDavid. The guy can get three points in his sleep. Did it last night. Now has 96 points in 51 games. There was some question whether he'd get to 100. He's definitely going to get to 100. they got four games left. He just needs four points. Now the question is, are they doing the right thing by having him play when Edmonton is pretty much locked in, right? They've clinched a playoff spot. They're not going to catch Toronto. They're eight points back at Toronto, and they're not going to fall behind Winnipeg, who just recently had a seven-game losing streak before beating Calgary the other night. So they're locked into the two. So there was speculation, why play Connor McDavid in these last few games? Because, listen, you don't want to see him get hurt in what are meaningless games. They can't move up or down in the standings, but apparently getting to 100 points is pretty meaningful to him. But I will tell you this, if he goes out against Vancouver on Saturday and gets four points and gets to 100, you know what, don't play him. (laughs) That, that, That would be silly. So I would just say that if he gets to 100 points and there's a couple of games left, don't play him or play him minimal minutes because if Edmonton has any shot, any shot, they're going to need Connor McDavid to be healthy. I don't think they've got the goaltending to make a run. Costigan last night allowed four goals on the first four shots he faced. So I'm not sure they've got the goaltending to make a run anyway, but you've got no shot. I mean no shot. 
if Connor McDavid were to get hurt. So that's where we stand as we head into the weekend. So we've got games tonight, a slew of them. And let's not forget that the, the season may be over for a lot of teams this week, but there are going to be games going into next week, all those makeup games from COVID. So Dallas in free fall, still technically alive. They'll be in Tampa to take on the Lightning. Capitals home for the Flyers. We'll see if Ovechkin plays. I don't think he will. I mean, they've already got the home ice in the first round. He tried to go on in the Monday game against the Rangers, played one shift. So he's played one shift in the last six games. I'm not sure what the deal is as far as whether he'll get any kind of a chance to play. Uh, it looks like he is going to be out, um, at least the early indications are. And if that's the case, I think we'll probably see Ovi in the playoffs. Blue Jackets and Red Wings, kind of a funny situation with Ms. Lurkins, who wa- wa- wanted to get uh, the empty net goal and the conversation that he had with John Tortorella. And you know that didn't go very well, but... You know, it didn't look great in the press conference. He's like, hey, these games don't mean anything. I just wanted to score a goal. But at least he at least he did the right thing, and, and Elvis did ask Coach whether it was a good idea or not. And Tortorello said, listen, just don't give up a goal. Um, but I, I don't know. I, that didn't bother me for a Columbus team that obviously they're blowing this team up. I, I would think Tortorello's gone. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I can't see them bringing him back. So uh, Columbus is certainly heading in a different direction. Wild and the Ducks. Um, that's the game uh, tonight at 8 o'clock. And really, I guess the question would be who is in net for the um, for the Ducks because will Ryan Miller get one more game before the official retirement? Uh, St. Louis and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Kings and the Avalanche. Still, I guess, a chance for Colorado to catch Vegas. Four points back with three games – with uh, two with one game in hand, excuse me. Uh, and Colorado does have two more row wins, so it's still a very good possibility that Colorado can turn out and win this division. Uh, and, and listen, you want to win the division for sure because I think everybody would want the crack uh, at St. Louis for sure. So that would not surprise me if they were to make a run and want to make a run in getting into the playoffs. Well, it's Friday. You know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Let's put Pittsburgh back in the top five, shall we? Number five. Thank you. Carter with the four goals. Crosby's getting goals, too, now has over 20. Uh, Pittsburgh's won eight of their last ten, and and I've just been pleasantly surprised. Even their goal differential is moving way up at plus 39. They're healthy now. They're scary. They're scary good. Uh, and I would not be surprised with Washington. There's something up there, especially with Ovechkin not being 100%. I, I'm not in love with their goaltending by any stretch. It's good, but, you know, I'll, we'll see. Uh, Samsonov's been in COVID protocol. Is Vanacek ready for postseason games? Islanders not being able to score any goals. Um, Boston, they're trying to get their, their goaltending in order. Is Swayman going to get starts? Is Rask going to be ready? Is Halak going to be ready? And then there sits Pittsburgh, and wouldn't you be would would you be surprised at all if they end up being the team that comes out of that division? I think they're going to win this division, and would you be shocked if they got out of this division in the playoffs? I would not be. I've got them at number five. Number four. Well, you know the Florida Panthers certainly in the conversation. 
uh, at number four. They won four in a row. They've won eight of their last ten. They're still battling. They're not giving up uh, on, on, on catching Carolina. They've got work to do. They're five points back, and there's only two games left to play, so they're probably not going to do it. But Florida has been great. The goaltending with, with Knight has been has been tremendous, and wouldn't that be a great story uh, for him uh, into the playoffs? And all the moves they made at the deadline have come up money. So I've got Florida at number four. Number three. I'm still going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're starting to warm up. 7-2-1 in their last 10. And they are going to get Stamkos back. They're going to get Kucherov back for the playoffs. Vasilevsky has been terrific for them. And they get so much secondary and tertiary scoring, right? If it's not Coleman, it's Point. If it's not Point, it's it's somebody else. They, they just really are just a well-rounded team that I, I'd have a hard time right now telling you that they're not going to get a chance to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Number two. I'm going to stake Carolina at number two. Points in 13 consecutive games. They have been just incredible. Plus 50 goal differential has been absolutely outrageous. I feel like a broken record, but there's so many guys that score for them. And I'm a big uh, Natchez fan. He scored again last night. Um, and you know Niederreiter's been good for them. Ajo had a hat trick uh, the other night. Uh, they're, they're just loaded. They really are. Carolina at number two. Number one. Yeah! Vegas Golden Knights are still the best team in the National Hockey League. You're looking at a team that's won 18 games on the road, 19 games at home. They've also won eight of their last 10, recently had a 10-game winning streak. Can you tell me that they're mopping up on the the also-rans in the West? I get that, but they've been able to hold off Colorado that has been red hot. I love uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, and boy, I don't think anybody would be surprised if they came out of the West. That's going to be a heck of a rivalry between Colorado and Vegas, not just for the rest of the regular season on who wins that division, but also who comes out of that division once we get to the playoffs. Who are you taking out? That's a lot of fun to do the top five, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of heat for that. All right, let's hear from you to close it out here on a Friday. Sam Diaz says the rebuild is not being blown up. It's being accelerated. The Rangers still have Panarin, Mika, Kako, Laffey, Fox, etc. Plenty of assets to trade for what they need. They're going to be really good next season with or without David Quinn. They're in good hands with Chris Drury. I completely agree. Brett says... Was fine with Gordon being let go, not J.D. J.D. was only around for two years, beloved by Ranger fans. Sather went six years without making playoffs. J.D. went two. What's logic in that? Also, why do the Rangers never consider Mess for a position, best leader in any sport? We've had this conversation on the K-Show. I like Mark, but Mark's in a really tough spot because I was told by somebody, and it's a great line, Mark doesn't want to be a head coach. He wants to be a head coach of the Rangers. So Mark does not want to be Elaine Vigneault going from Montreal to Vancouver, Vancouver to New York, New York to Philadelphia. He doesn't want to be Laviolette going from the Islanders to the to the uh, Hurricanes uh, and then going to Philadelphia and then Nashville, now Washington. He wants to be a coach of the Rangers. So, all right, so how do you do that? He has no experience coaching. He knows hockey better than anybody, but no experience coaching, right? Can you have him be an assistant to David Quinn? What kind of pressure would that be on Quinn? Even if you made him the head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack, 
there's still going to be pressure on whoever the coach of the Rangers is that, that Messier is stirring around. And if he doesn't want to be with any other organization, then he's not going to go and coach in the KHL or coach in the ECHL to get experience. So he really just has to wait for somebody to give him the job. You know, he's comparable to Patrick Ewing in the NBA, right? But 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 look at Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing was an assistant in Washington, assistant in Orlando, went out to coach the Georgetown Hoyas. He's not just waiting for the Nick job. He's paying his dues. So uh, I think that's the problem with Messier getting the gig. Uh, David B. says, hey, Don, obviously the Islanders have had trouble scoring. What potential playoff opponent do you think will be able to exploit that the most? All of them, right? All, if you're not scoring goals, right, um, that's going to be a problem, period, because you could do all you want. You, you, you're eventually going to have to score. <laughs> and all right, so you say – you, you look at you look at Pittsburgh's goaltending. You look at Washington's goaltending, and you say, "Well, maybe they can find uh, a moment there." Uh, they had their trouble with Washington this year. Pittsburgh, they seem to be able to figure it out. Swept them a couple of years ago in the playoffs. So maybe Pittsburgh is the better matchup. I mean, it, it's so hard to really say who when they've really had difficulty scoring. I mean, this is a team that has played, has gotten one point in the last three games. When when starting those three games, they had a chance to win the division. And they've gotten one point, three games, two against Buffalo, one against New Jersey. That's a big-time problem. Chuck says, thoughts on the Bushnevich cross-check on the face of Mantha? He did it. If he didn't do it, Mantha probably would have done it to him. But I've got no problem with the suspension. Stick to the face is going to get done more times than not. Uh, Calvin says, hey, Don, where do you see the Rangers going now after the bombshell that happened recently? Will there be unrest with the players, etc.? Also, do you think the Sharks need to have a change at coach from office, uh, from office front office to try to turn things around? They're young. Uh, how many coaches are you going through, right? I mean, you, you had the success, obviously, with DeBoer, went to the Stanley Cup final with him. You, you've, you've tried a bunch of different coaches now. Uh, it, it's it's really time to start. I mean, the Marlowe thing was great. You had Thornton for a while. You parted ways with him. You've got young players. I I, I think you're you're in that rebuild. And and uh, Barbaroff, as you said, is there. Um, LeBanc's been good for you guys. The Carlson thing is obviously a big issue because of the money that he's making. But they're at a crossroads. They're not a bad team. I'd love to address the goaltending at some point. I just think that you're in that midst of a rebuild, and you're just going to have to find a way to be patient Yankees and Penguins says hey Don have you ever heard a coach call out one of his own players on a bad hit Laviolette defends Wilson again on Monday that's going to happen he's your player right and and the players are all going to defend him that's just what coaches do all right uh and I know Peter Laviolette and I know he's probably sickened by that but he benefits from having Wilson he's smart enough to know that so that's going to happen you wish that they would call these guys out but you can't be surprised when they don't because they're going to defend their guy that's just the way that it works and and you know what david quinn would defend tom wilson if he was on the rangers and and you know what i'm going to call you guys out fan wise i i would think some fans you know yeah ranger fans are sickened by the capital fans defending wilson you know what i wouldn't be surprised if ranger fans defended wilson if he was doing what he was doing, because that's what fans do, right? Eli says, how much did the Rangers' chances of getting Eichel change in either way because of the change in management? I don't think players pay much attention to that. I don't. Rangers have always been a destination. You never heard, I don't want to play for Jim Dolan in the NHL. 
Um, we'll see what they end up doing with Coach. Uh, Chris Drury is a very highly respected guy. Glenn Sather's a highly respected guy. Uh, I don't think any of these moves are going to make a player say, I don't want to play for the New York Rangers. Uh, BJ says, the Blues have struggled in the second period recently. Is the second period the toughest to play of the three? It is because it's the long change, right? And and for people that might be new to hockey is is that when you, you flip sides is that now in order to get into your defensive zone – You've got longer to go. So when if you make a mistake making a change, you're going to get hurt. So that usually is the period. And listen, both teams go through it, but usually that's the period where you can be in a lot of trouble when you're changing things up, the long change uh, in the second period. That's probably that's the only thing that kind of really jumps to mind. And David says the league office has nobody to blame but themselves for the Wilson situation very very well said. All right, we've got lots to do over the weekend. I've got the call of the Rangers and the Bruins tomorrow at 3 o'clock on 9870 ESPN New York. It's the season finale. I wish I could talk up the game, but Rangers just trying to play the role of spoiler and stop Boston from possibly winning this division or getting home ice advantage and just closing out the year. It's always sad to see the regular season end, but we're going to be all over the playoffs. We'll be back with you next Monday when there'll still be regular season games, but also some teams that are already done so we'll talk to E.J. Raddick, get his thoughts on what happened with the Wilson situation, with the Rangers situation, and then get you set up for the final week of the regular season. So we'll be back with you again on Monday. Want to get in touch with me? Best way to do it, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.